Hey, welcome back to Reselect. This is Dave Gershman, your congenial host as always. I like to think so anyway. We uh quite a show for you this week. Uh, it's a rockin' 90s show uh, all about the Pixies. Uh, not all about the Pixies, actually. All about the album Doolittle by the Pixies. Eric and Sarah and I discuss the merits, and there are many, of the album. Pixies are a favorite uh, 90s band. Not just a 90s band, uh, but a favorite band of mine, period. They're one of the great influential bands of all time, I would say. You know, they're not for everybody, but they certainly changed the sound of a lot of music that came after them. They had several classic albums. They've been banned on and off since then. Uh, I believe they're still sort of on. Every now and then I hear about a new Pixies album coming out, and I've listened to some of them, but I have to admit they aren't quite uh, up to the level of the original uh, set of albums. Uh, part of that may be that Kim Deal is not really part of the band anymore, or I don't know if really is even the right word to say. I, I don't think she's part of the band. Um, she was a, a key ingredient in their chemistry and uh, their sound. Without her, it's it's more like, you know, I don't want I don't want to shortchange the rest of the members of the band, but it's a lot like a Black Francis solo album at that point. I hope you're all healthy. It's a crazy world out there still. You need to uh, please be careful in many ways. Take care of yourself. Wear a mask. Hopefully this thing will start to wind its way down later this year. I really want to start traveling again, so I don't know about you, but how are you liking these podcasts? Are they good? Are you enjoying it? I hope so. Um, please, please send messages. Let us know what you think of the thing. And, you know, if you have suggestions for things we could talk about, albums or otherwise, please let us know. Uh, we'd, we'd be more than happy to, uh, to think about it. And very likely, unless it's completely outrageous and, or just a terrible album, <laughs> a generally known terrible album, um, which I'm sure none of our listeners would ever suggest anyway, of course. So it's not really a problem, I'm sure. Anyway, if you uh, if you have something good to suggest, please send it to us via the um, reselectmusic.com website. Uh, there's a, a comment form on there that you can uh, respond in. Um, I think you can also potentially send comments through your podcast listener thing. I don't know. It depends on what you listen to it through. But... Please uh, let us know what you're thinking about the podcast. Give us reviews, bad or good, you know. Tell us what we could do to make this more enjoyable for you. You cannot say, have Dave stop talking, because I'm not going to. But uh, but yeah, if you, uh, if you can, please do. All right, well, enough blabbing on about nothing in particular. Just want to say hello, welcome, enjoy the Pixies, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. It's so beautiful out right now. I'm going to be Somebody so bummed. Somebody does a, a wheelie out of the driveway. No, we do not ride like that. <laughs> we would like to keep riding for many, many years. Good. So we yeah. do not fuck around. Glad to hear that. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Are we ready to do this? Yes. Okay. So... All right. Well, welcome back to Reselect. I'm Dave Gershman. Eric Green here. Sarah Wassel. We're here to talk about the Pixies today. Mm. 
and their album Doolittle. Yeah. 1989. So do I get to introduce it or are you, you sure do introduce it? Cause I'm sorry. I, I was thought just, I was going to, I was just adding that I little, I was going to get to yeah. talk about it, but I was, just, I was all I was doing. Are you sure? Can that you, was it. Can you really go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I picked this record cause I never listened to the Pixies and I always wanted to and knew I needed to get around to doing it. So do little, their second studio album, which came out in April, 1989. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? No, mm. I was not aware. Of it. it was um, released by a British independent label, 4AD, um, who in the 90s, they had other bands, Bauhaus, Cocktoo Twins, Throwing Muses. In the 2000s, it was The Breeders, TV on the Radio, St. Vincent. I actually didn't realize they were still in operation as a label. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're like a subsidiary of a bigger label now. I, I'm a huge Throwing Muses fan also, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like late 80s, early 90s, as you said. And, and uh, so like I was aware of them from that and then the Pixies and stuff. But It was recorded for $40,000, hmm. which is pretty standard. Yeah. But I don't really know what that means. Like, is that all? There's not a lot of studio trickery or anything going on in this album. Mm-mm. It's like mostly just instrumental stuff you get out of your instrument and put down on <laughs> tape. And there's like effects on those, but... Do we call them... Fra- what, what do we call him? Black Francis? At the Frank time, he was, he was Black Francis at Black the time. Francis, he became yeah. Frank Black for solo stuff. But yeah. So Black Francis, yeah. yeah. He um, originally wanted to call the album Whore, <laughs> but like in a biblical sense, because yeah. this right. record has some very lot of- weird themes of surrealism, biblical violence, yeah. and torture and death. But yeah, didn't think that would be a good idea. Yeah, he definitely has the uh, a lot of those weird biblical imageries and surreal aspect mm-hmm. uh, he, he I, I saw an interview where he um he said that he does this he called it a naive take on surrealism and dada and mm-hmm. stuff and that, that that's kind of the what just where he's coming from and uh he doesn't think super egotistically about it like i'm doing this brilliant thing it's just right. sort of what he does and it's the way his mind processes images and stuff he said it's a very 90s record to me in that respect because it has this was like a pre-internet time right where you would learn about off counterculture kind of things from music in a lot of ways. And it wouldn't be like, Oh, I just read this article online and I can look up what surrealism is. Like, you know, the first song debaser is about like a surrealist movie that Salvador Dali made. And that would have been kind of like a, like almost like a secret underground thing. Like, are you cool enough to know what that is? And if you learn about it from the song, it's like the song is then this key into this other world of like secrety kind of a culty kind of like cool art, intellectual things. His, he said his interest in surrealism he got into avant-garde movies and surrealism as an escape from reality. Mm-hmm. He says, to me, surrealism is totally artificial. I've, I recently read an interview with the director, David Lynch. This was back then. Yes, I was going to read the same oh, quote. Oh, do you want to do it? Yeah. <laughs> David Lynch said that he has I- mm-hmm. ideas and images, but didn't know exactly what they meant. Yeah. So that's, that's how I same. write. Yeah, it's the same yeah. way he writes. Yeah. Which actually helped me understand David Lynch a lot better. Yeah. Because he's brilliant and I... I love watching his films and he just did I I don't know if you guys know on Netflix, there's a short film called I saw that what Jack did. I watched that just a few days which ago. Which is him in him like old, like noir style, like interviewing a, a monkey about a crime <laughs> and they've, they've moved up, put like a mouth on the monkey so it can, it can answer him. But the dialogue feels so weird and stilted. And I think that's the thing with David Lynch is like, there's such a nonlinear aspect to it. I, I almost felt like uh, in that that short that he was taking like 
uh, audit responses from right. something else entirely and, and forcing fitting, them and forcing in because it into didn't his. feel like so it weird. made any sense. It was so uh, weird. Yeah, and it was it looked like a racer head, like that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, a, black and white black with and white, like grainy mm-hmm, kind of weird, weird on angled shadows in the background. So Apparently, bizarre. he was obsessed with making this movie for two years. He referred to it as his monkey movie. <laughs> <laughs> I came across it like I had never heard about it, and I thought, "What the heck's this? It's like yeah. seventeen minutes long. I'm yeah. going to watch it." What yeah. the heck? So, so crazy. Uh, yes, someone at this table might have ordered three copies of the vinyl pressing of the love song that the monkey sings. Oh, hmm, wow. That's not for us. They're copies for me and my siblings. Yeah, no, I know. Who would have guessed? Yeah. There were vinyl copies I, of that song. And I was completely sober when I did it, too. Oh I just God. was watching it, like, my hand of its own accord. <laughs> beep, boop, beep. Buying records. There were some of the lyrics on that song. Unchain Andalus. That's the title of the. It's the title of a the surrealist the surrealist film. Uh, it was okay. Luis Buñuel and Salvador Dali collaborated on it. Ah, uh, I got and you. It, and if it's really just full of lots of disturbing images. Yeah. In fact, slicing up eyeballs. Whoa! It's yeah, like, like super up close. It's just yeah. There's one scene where it looks like this razor. Oh, I've seen this. Is being dragged across the eyeball. Yeah. And it's just, so it's the whole like basis of the the debase oh of the God. first song. Yeah. 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 Roger Ebert called that movie like a basis for so much independent cinema. Mm. Um, it was 1920, was it 29 or something? That was when it came out. It was crazy a long time ago. So Debaser is the first song, right? And it starts. And to me, the sound of it is so 90s. Like I, every time I listen to this record and it starts, I can't help but think of the nightclub in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the bronze, mm. where they would have bands play all the time because it's it's like every band that well, played at the bronze heard the Pixies and was like, "This is yeah. how I make music." Well, I was going to say, "I'm going to make a crappier version of it." It speaks to how how much they influenced bands sure. in the '90s, and and they're often credited or blamed, you know, as being like the beginning of like alternative rock as mm-hmm. it became mm-hmm. and it wasn't their intent obviously mm-hmm. it was just they were just doing the their bass thing. heavy like yeah. the bass had yeah. such a huge influence because yeah. bass was such a huge part of like 90s style music right it's crazy yeah not even and, one kind of it but like primus and like whatever 311 yeah. and then like well and nirvana yeah, took yeah, yeah the whole pixie sound and and sure used that as a basis for what he did with what, what he his songwriting for nirvana he apparently believed or said that uh uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit was his attempt at writing a Pixie song. Hmm. But actually, there's another uh, Nirvana song that I think sounds even more like them, but it's that loud, quiet juxtaposition that they were yeah. known for that he also used a lot in Nirvana. And uh, and there were some bands that outright copied them. It wasn't mm-hmm. just like influence, but like trying to be... That was a feature of this music that I did like. It was like quiet and then boom, you know, it hit you yeah. and then goes back to quiet again. Yeah. Right, it's not like just like attack, attack, attack. Yeah. It's like, you know really interesting dynamics and that's what i love about them which is like one of their their most kind of like descriptive things that everybody says about their style of music is that it's either very quiet or very loud and there's like no in between part uh, I, I'm, I assume you've come across this or maybe you saw it but there's a documentary about them called loud quiet loud mm. and it's all crammed together into one word and it follows them on tour like in the early 2000s when they reunited or something and it, it's interesting but it's uh, it's also filled with a lot of interband animosity <laughs> oh. hard feelings from you know carried mm-hmm. over but you know it's entertaining uh one more note about the the before we get into it all the songs are pretty short mm-hmm. which i love very much yes i'm a big fan of short songs yeah. i think that you know if you can make a good song and you can make it short you're way better a musician than someone's just like i'm gonna play for 20 minutes who thinks that that people need to hear that um but 
when they were producing it, they had this producer, Gil Norton, and he and Black Francis were arguing over the song length because Black Francis wanted to make them shorter. Mm-hmm. And so he, Black Francis took him to a record store and like picked up a copy of Buddy Holly's Greatest Hits and handed it to him and was like, <laughs> here, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for this record. And then... And like the longest Buddy Holly song is like two minutes long, yeah. two and a half minutes. Love and, it. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they come up with such interesting sounds with the guitar and Joey Santiago is their primary guitar player. I think he's one of the most underrated or least spoken of as a great guitarist. And, and there are some pretty cool. Sounds he does some really amazing like, stuff. Yeah. And, and I think, but I think they, they get such cool sounds and his lyrics just get to the point of whatever weirdness he's getting at that point. Mm-hmm. And they get in and they get out and yeah. Why, why drag it on? Mm-hmm. Really? It's yeah. And then Kim deal. Kim Deal. Oh my gosh. Coolest woman She's in rock player. and roll. She's One of the incredible. In yeah. She's incredible. I love the style of her vocals. They're so mm-hmm. ethereal. So like Is she the one just, doing the background in oh, yeah. the debaser? She's mm-hmm. she's speaking debaser as it's being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The very first Pixie song I ever heard uh was when uh Surfer Rosa came out and Gigantic was I don't know if you listen to that at all. Do you, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. uh Gigantic was the single off of that, and she does the lead on that. And I just loved her voice so much. And it was just such a cool song. And I instantly fell in love with the band. And her style is so, it's, got, it's not quite monotone. I mean, she can be monotone, but right. I, she's doing that on purpose. Yeah. Um, other times it's just this, this I, I don't know how to describe it. Ethereal is kind of one it's like, aspect of it. It's just like cooler than tough. what she's even doing. Yeah, I mean, you it's, know? yeah. She's kind of like somewhere, it sounds like she's somewhere else while she's singing. She's too cool for most of us, really. She's... <laughs> In a good way. I think it's just because she doesn't she doesn't really give a shit. Yeah. Like, I, no. read, I read or heard a quote from her at some point that she's like, she realized she was like her dad because her dad was the kind of person where it wasn't like, is it half full or half empty? The question is, who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every interview you ever see with her, she's, you know, lays it down like she won't put up with crap. She's, she's, she's a real person. Yeah, yeah. She's just a person. She's yeah. a sloppy, amazing, creative, yeah, brilliant, yeah. bitchy, whatever person. Yeah, I love her bass. Yeah, and she on on the first album, I think she had changed this, dropped this by the time Doolittle uh, was done. She was Mrs. John Smith. That was that's how she was billed on the album. It wasn't Kim Deal. I think, I think you've they, got that name split. wrong. I don't think it's John Smith. No, it's, I could have sworn it was Mrs. John something else. Oh. Wait, it's, it's Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, it's Murphy. Yeah, yeah. Damn it. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I mean, I I never wrote down. The, yeah, Mrs. John Murphy. You're right. I never wrote down the name because I kind of like. I get the joke of it that she heard mm-hmm. she was somewhere and she heard a woman who insisted on only being referred to by her husband's name, yeah, yeah. and she thought it was hilarious. But to me, that's the kind of joke where you hear it once and you're like, yeah, that's kind of funny. And then now it like lives on in perpetuity right, because it's right. in the liner notes of the record. And it's like, I don't know if it's that good of a joke. Right. It was like funny at the time, but in retrospect, now that she's Kim Deal and like the, you know, just yeah. this name that it, it seems a little. Although now um, I'm coming back goofy. around again and I kind of like it. Like now that she's like a household name. Yeah. 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 Well, also like how she got into the Pixies was pretty funny too. She read an ad that said, um, band seeks bassist into Husker Du. And Peter, Paul, and Mary, please no chops. <laughs> I, I remember hearing that. That's yeah. Those. And she was like, oh, I'm going to check that out. Yep. Yeah. And she wasn't even a bass player. She borrowed her sister's bass. Kelly Deal, who mm-hmm. she they, formed the Breeders with. Yeah. and uh, twin, Her twin sister. Yeah, they're, they're the heart of the, the Breeders. Personally, I, um, I realized as we were listening to this that 
I have no, I've been listening to this album for 30 years. And the, the fact that this album is even 30 years old is kind of blows me away. Mm. And, um, but it hasn't aged. I don't feel like it's aged in that all that time. I, I, I loved it when it came out. I still, I've never grown tired of it. It's like something I can listen to again and again. I, I, I really have trouble imagining overhearing it. Like, mm. I mean, I, you know, sure if I listen every single day, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I just think it's, it's such a timeless album. I mean, it's, it's really hard to pinpoint the time. I mean, cause it was an eighties album technically, Right, but there was nothing else going on in the eighties that was no. like that. You know, it's just so. When people think eighties, they think you know new wave, uh, early eighties, mid eighties. You know, and but what was happening with them was of its own whole thing, not really influenced by. Yeah, it's it's like a bookend. It's like the beginning bookend of, like you were saying, of indie music. Yeah, because like they did this record and now everything, and then everything for the next like six, seven, eight years sounded just like, not exactly yeah. like not it, every, but yeah, you know, yeah. it just like it affected and, everybody so much. Right. And sometimes it may have been like a, a step or two away from them. Like maybe the band wasn't even that affected directly by them, but then people they were influenced were then influencing other bands. So it's just cascading effect as well. Mm. I mean, cause their albums didn't sell that well. Right. Uh, although Doolittle apparently did, uh, end up being classified gold after, by the late 90s or something. So 500,000 well, copies. You've been listening to this album for 30 years. That I, I can't really picture that because this, this is like, yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of this grunge rock sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. kind of this harsh, rough sound. And, and knowing you as long as, and as well as I do, I can't picture you listening to this kind of music. Oh. Yeah, it surprises me. Pixies are one of my favorite bands of all time. I mean, I would never be able to quite pinpoint what it is i just think they kick ass and they they like are so inventive and wonderfully bizarre and um they also don't take themselves very seriously there's a lot of sarcasm there's a lot of like funniness to it so there's fun. a lot of like yeah. goofy yeah. like like you know silly voices and and it's yeah, yeah it's totally fun and the the recording quality is fantastic yeah actually. i mean there may be a lot of noise great. going on but it's really well recorded noise yeah, yeah. It's, you know it's it's just it is a, there's a headphones, lot of fun stuff it's there, so like good it. Crackety Jones, it just cracks me up. It's like a, a fun, weird, <laughs> odd song. <laughs> I saw them twice uh, in the late 90s, uh, not like early 90s, like 91, 92, probably around the time Bossa Nova came out, and then again when uh, Trompe came out. And one of those two concerts was fantastic. <laughs> the other one, not no. so much. They were like, I think they were really had been fighting a lot. And I, I think this was toward the end of their first period where they, after they broke up soon, soon thereafter. And, um, they, I think they were just seemed like they were angry at each other all the time on stage, which was just unpleasant. And mm. <laughs> there, there, it was not a fun show for That's some reason. Terrible. Poor guys. Yeah. But, uh, but definitely they, I, they were super cool. The other time when I, when I saw them, Kim Deal. How could you tell that they weren't uh, getting along really well? They were just like making fa- like angry faces at each other, and and they were like, I don't know, you could just tell there was something weird going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they didn't just didn't seem so into the concert anyway. But thankfully yeah, you that can, was an anomaly. You can tell that stuff. Like you can I saw Amy Winehouse, and she was like in zombie mode. Mm-hmm. She was like singing, and she kept like messing with her hair while she was singing in a way that you would if you were just like staring out the window. Right. It's something about the energy of a concert. You know, you can tell when a performer is really on and other times when they're just not all there, like, you know, in their head, they're, they want to be somewhere else or something, you know. So it, it's something like that. So want to get into the songs? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it, man. Debaser. 
Yeah, and then it gets quiet so quick. Mm -hmm. This is the part that sounds like every bronze band in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I didn't watch the show, so I, 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 I'll take That's such a hard line to figure out what he's saying there if you don't mm -hmm. read the lyrics and like realize it's the, song, the movie title. into a microphone at the top mm -hmm. of my lungs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this laughing that he's doing. Yes. <laughs> it's unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> he is so committed to this song. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing the way he's singing. Uh, yeah, I, he... The funny thing is, like, when you see them in interviews and stuff, they're so, like, normal. They're just, <laughs> like, yeah. these average suburban, they probably grew up in suburbia, and, and, and he and, um, was it Lover? No, it's Joe Santiago. I think they went to UMass Amherst, and that's where they met and started the band. And they're just, like, you know, they're not, like, Sex Pistols, where they're coming from this, like, hard scrabble, you know, background. And they're, but he's, like, when he gets in performing, he just transforms into this crazy person. <laughs> Lucky I love for it. us. Yeah. yeah Great for us listeners. I know. Yeah. Eric, did you, you said you had starred a few of the songs there. Did you, uh, what were some uh, of the well, other highlights for you? Uh, well, well, as we move along here, uh, the uh, Wave of Mutilation was, uh, was, I thought was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Here Comes Your Man, I thought I love it was it, my yeah. favorite song. Oh, yeah? Well, as I was first listening to mm -hmm. the album, I liked the music, musical part of it, and then the guy started singing, and my mind noticed, what's like, this Ooh. noise he's making with his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're not ready for it, I... Uh -huh. it, it but but as, as I uh, started listening to it more, I be, developed a little more of an appreciation for it. But there are a few songs on here that doesn't happen quite as much, yeah. and, and I am able to relate to more. Well, I imagine Tame, which is the second song, that, must have been right. quite a shocker for you, yeah. <laughs> because he's just yeah. screeching. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and the funny thing is, it's the word Tame, which is being <laughs> every, anything but you know yeah uh, i love kim deal's background vocals on that one yes on yeah, tame yeah yeah that matter of fact kind of like mm -hmm. subdued subtle but it's such a good you know. contrast too to him yeah. which i could see i mean that's like almost how the chemistry is working so well in this record is you have this maniac screaming and mm -hmm. laughing like a crazy person and then she's got this like beautiful voice and she's just in the background like what else it, it's almost like she's saying you know <laughs> Don't mind him. He's just, yeah. he's just, he's just, he's just letting loose. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're really, we're, we're okay. Yeah, but know? I got this. I'm driving the beat and I'm like giving you a nice high end and like it yeah. sounds beautiful and like it's fine. <laughs> but you're right. Tame was hard for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, coming as a second song too. Yeah. It's just, yeah, like a little jarring, I imagine. I also like the uh-huhs in it. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Around 110. Should we play them? Sure. 
Or we could just go straight to Wave of Mutilation, too. Or we since, could do that. Since Eric likes that song. Yeah, okay. Let's That's do cool. That. There's a nice flow to it, for sure. Wave of Mutilation. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of catchy. You know? I can easily sing along with that first hearing of it. Do you know what it's about? No. Oh, this is a weird one. Lay it on us. There was a, um, a period of time where all these um, articles kept coming out in the newspaper, like maybe, I guess, in the 80s. Would have been like the late yeah, 80s sure the it, about but. Japanese men killing themselves and their families by driving off of piers because they failed at their businesses. Just drive their cars right off. Yeah, wow. with the car Drown, in it. Yeah, so the, family, yeah. dr- the second line, drive my car into the ocean. Uh-huh. You'll think I'm dead, but I sail away on a wave of mutilation. <laughs> yeah. Some some deep shit. Yeah, I reckon This so. record, you know, like Bibles and surrealism and... It's yeah. Japanese like his choice of su- subject matter is so just could come from anywhere. It, yeah. it goes through his filter of his bizarre mind. Also, very '90s. You know, you think about like Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson and all this weird, mm-hmm. like dark stuff that yeah. started to kind of come to the forefront of music. But for him, uh, according, according to again an interview I, I saw, he he said there isn't anger in his songs. He he says. He just does it for entertainment mm-hmm. value, yeah. And he's you know expressing some dark emotions, but he's right. not angry when he's doing it. He's yeah, and I think like, that comes through too. Like yeah. it doesn't feel like it's like a bad, yeah. right? You know, he's not gonna try to convince you to do anything bad. He's yeah. just singing about bad things, but he's like goofy right. about right. it still. Right. And then again, Kim Deal keeping us it's on that, the level. Yeah. yeah, it's that sense of humor clearly clearly comes through, and it's not like yeah, not like trying to win you over to the dark side or something. He also said that he wrote this song a little tongue-in-cheek, like it was supposed to be the kind of thing to freak parents out. <laughs> well, the title yeah. certainly sounds like mm-hmm. you'd expect some weird, crazy, punky, or just yeah. dark song. But it's really, it's very melodic and catchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Social commentary. Yeah. Let's let's give it a little yeah. right here. love that drum. David Lovering is an amazing drummer. He holds these songs down, so it's like... He was jamming back there. Mm-hmm. And it's really well recorded, too. so funny like usually when we play songs as we're reviewing music like we'll talk about bits that happen and we start playing these songs and all three of us are just like just like nodding our heads and we're all so into it like we can't talk about it because we just want to listen to it i know i forgot for a second i was supposed to be thinking about it. i know right it's like oh yeah this part and then this line and then the way that line goes i love it so much yeah yeah also that drum intro again like it yeah. makes me think of the band Live. You remember them? They mm-hmm. were kind of big in the 90s yeah, yeah. for a little while and like Rusted Rootish. Probably not so much that, but just like. Not, yeah. Well, I, I think the the drum sound, is a, it was definitely 
another thing that carried over into alt rock stuff it was like mm-hmm. that clear solid drumming like the way mm. it was recorded i think it was definitely a lot different than a lot of other stuff that had was happening in the eighties. Right. You know, well, because the eighties was like more synthy. Yeah. Right. Drum right. machine. And, like, and then the seventies right. and sixties was more like big, loud, noisy, right. noisy. It wasn't as echoey. much close miking on the right. drums back then. Yeah. But this was like you know you're you're getting all the parts of the drum nice and mm. clear and like solid, oomph, you know. And I think that really carried over into nineties nineties rock. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because then the guitars are just like all the noise and distortion and the like wall of noiseness. I think the Smashing Buzz. Pumpkins were pretty probably heavily influenced by Pixies too because they, oh, yeah. they there's a lot of that sound in there. Forgot about them. Their music, yeah. Siamese Dream Band? was one of my first CDs. Oh, I yeah. love that record. That's a great record. Yeah. Hmm. Columbia House when I when I joined Columbia House when I was in high school. <laughs> nice. It was like Siamese Dream, Lenny Kravitz, Are You Gonna Go My Way, my, um, Aerosmith. Nice. Because that's when those videos came out with oh, Alicia God. Silverstone in them. Yeah. Oh, Janie's yeah. Janie's Got a Gun. No, she wasn't in those. She wasn't, it was the next No, it was the next record oh, with the cow the elevator on it. Was no, it wasn't like Love in an Elevator. It wasn't any of that stuff. I really couldn't stand that era of Aerosmith. No, I'm, oh. I'm over that. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> that would be a painful podcast, podcast yeah. I think. Aerosmith? Yeah. Yeah, let's agree right now never to do that, huh? Good. Yeah, I, I could agreed, easily done. Do, okay, nope, we're done. That, that's fine. Nope, we decided. That, that's fine, but I could easily do <laughs> 70s Aerosmith. There's some great stuff. Yeah. Oh. Toys in the Attic is an amazing album. Oh. I was going to say right now. I mean, <laughs> might as well just go ahead and do Black Crows then and just like... What? <laughs> Actually, I like the Black Crows. Um, I knew you were going to do that. They... Ugh. So yeah, man, that whole like there's that is not jamming. Don't say it's jamming. I wasn't gonna. I was just gonna say that whole vein for me is just I'm not into it. The song "Toys in the Attic" that is such a punk song. It's like oh, it's amazing. That Aerosmith. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) I bleed. Uh, I think that might be my favorite one on the record. When I was listening to it, I was thinking about how the Pixies evolved after this album, Mm -hmm. and um, one of the great pities of that is that Kim Deal's vocal inclusion, I guess, it became less and less. And I don't know what the within dynamics the were within or? the band. Mm. Yeah. She, because in this song, she's so great. I mean, just her, her like monotone underscoring of everything that um, Black Francis is saying, mm-hmm. I bleed. And she's mm-hmm. I bleed in this. And, and just, she adds so much to the song mm-hmm. that, that as we we're saying previously, just this like, kind of juxtaposition of, the two sounds and, and I in the later albums uh, she was not present nearly as much and I don't think I don't know, I'm sure she had a, a lead vocal in any of those mm. which was kind of sad and I think it's part of the reason she jumped off to do the breeders mm. she wanted more <laughs> she wanted to do her own thing more mm-hmm. um, I, like the, I like the bass line in this song but I, I didn't really care for the way that it was spoken or, hmm. mm. can you can we we can mm. yeah Is awesome. Yeah, yeah. This is like I, all the breeders. Yeah, the like cannibal. Yeah. They can take. They can make even slow songs so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think it's like. I love it. The combo of him just speaking and her singing it. It makes him sound more menacing. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
and that like distorting guitar thing happening yeah, that's also like that. everyone in the 90s was like I know I will I do know. this and they didn't nearly, ne- do it nearly as well yeah. this song for me uh, really sounded like one of the songs that I, I imagine Kurt Cobain was really influenced by because mm-hmm. it sounds a lot like the dynamics of Nirvana sung to yeah. me a lot of that bass heavy quieter parts and then I like how he says nobody knows in that goofy voice nobody knows (laughs) that's good because it takes you out of it being too serious because it could easily like that's the other thing too their lyrics are so emo you know like taken in one in, a, in presented in a different way, it would be almost insufferable. Yeah. You know, just like saying I bleed over and over again could just be like, I bleed, I bleed, I bleed. Like, oh my God, go paint your room black and shut up, you know? Like, wait three years and you're going to get over whatever's happening right now. But, like, when it's goofy and with the bass line and with mm. the way the drums work and stuff like that, it just doesn't feel, doesn't feel emo. It just, right. they're just saying they, they cool have, stuff. The, one thing I was, as I was like looking at the lyrics, I was realizing how few words are actually in their songs. It's like compared to a lot of other mm-hmm. bands and songwriters, it's just very short sentences uh, and a lot of rep- repeated lines and, and really impressed that you can take so little and make so much out of it. Mm. As my appreciation for this increased, I can imagine myself, I had a convertible for a little while, I can imagine mm. driving around a sunny day mm-hmm. like today with just blasting louder mm-hmm. than hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to do that later when I go ride my bike. Yeah, that's going to um, be great. And then Here Comes Your Man, which is kind of a weird... Here Comes Your Man. Here Comes Your Man. Your favorite on the record? Yeah. yeah. It's so catchy. I want it to not be my favorite because to me it sounds like some kind of weird joke song, like that they're doing some kind of commercially viable something or other (laughs) instead, but it's so fun. And it's so like, did they write it? Is that a cover? Nope. Nope. It's it's there. Yeah, they wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the two hits off the album. Mm -hmm. And by hits, I don't mean like top 40. I mean, but on modern rock stations is what they were called at the time. It went to, uh, what was it? It was like top 10 on the modern rock charts. And that was all over the place. And Monkey Gone to Heaven was the other big That's a mm-hmm. hit. Song, yeah. Th- those mm-hmm. two, those two were played a lot. It's hard not to love. Here comes your man. I, mm-hmm. I, it's such a catchy song, mm-hmm. fun, mm-hmm. surf guitarish, mm-hmm. just kind of. And yeah, it sounds like a cover. It sounds like it should be like mm-hmm. some old, mm-hmm. like fifties or early sixties yeah. or something. Yeah, well, and it's, made... one of, it's one of the few songs on the album that he didn't make that noise with his mouth. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that noise with his mouth. <laughs> Uh, uh, the funny. video is really funny too. Yes. They did this uh. super goofy thing where they would distort their heads, like make their forehead gigantic or something like that. And then instead of <laughs> the camera would go to whoever was singing the part of the song, but instead of actually singing, they would just open their mouths and close them like a fish. <laughs> well, and he would just leave it like, yeah. during like a whole oh, yeah. line or two. And then when he was like, would take a breath in the song, then he would close it. Yeah. It's funny. It's a funny effect. And they're, they look like they're, they're being really, they just don't care. Apparently, they hated making videos, the whole concept of it, and they especially hated the idea of lip syncing, and that, mm. was, that was their way to like express their displeasure with it. Like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's just open our mouths. And, and Kim Deal does it, too. It's, it's like the two of them. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's great. Very cheaply made. It's like mm-hmm. super low budget. But I think but, all videos, most of the music videos looked like that at that yeah, time anyway, because this was like the beginning of really, every band had to make the music video because mm-hmm. like MTV was the way to get... Yeah. 
Although I was going to say Thriller had come out years before, so we already had like super well, high sure, budget sure, sure, but, too. But but I just mean that like I don't know. That's Michael Jackson, of course. Yeah, what, he's I think gonna in this world of music, there was yeah, they were an indie band. They were on an indie label, right? So and, they wouldn't have had like a big studio behind them to do and back stuff. then. Selling out was definitely something. Oh that bands yeah, were that's to avoid right. Too. You know, like this nowadays, like a real thing. That doesn't mean anything. No, but, having cred as a yeah. as a musician was like everything. Like if you lost yeah. your cred, if you seemed like you were selling out, yeah. or if you were perceived to be a sellout, like yeah. trying to sell records or something, then you were fucking done. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and the record companies would often try to make them do something like you know fun, stupid, or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and it just yeah, they didn't want to lose that. Yeah, it's a completely, that concept I think is completely gone now. It's like yeah. the reverse. Now it's like, get it, girl. You know, if you can get a deal and be an influencer and whatever, like, good for you and make all the money. But, like, not back then. One of the greatest videos ever is The Replacements. I forget what song it is. But they they did not want to make a video at all. But they were signed, they had signed to a big label. And so what they ended up doing was the, the video starts and you're looking at the speaker of a large one of those big floor speakers and it just backs out over the course of the song until you see the whole speaker. And that's the entire video is just the speaker and playing the song. You know, it's awesome. <laughs> and my, my description doesn't do justice, but it, it was a great, great thing. And, and, but there's just another example of the, uh, the dislike for actually being in your own videos, especially, but so let's play a little catchy. Mm-hmm. Here comes your man. Mm-hmm. I think that's like, a reference to Hard Day's Night. The oh, first, yeah. The opening chord. Oh, uh, yeah. I have never read that, but I'm guessing. This seems viable. This also, to me, feels a bit like Velvet Underground popped up a lot, like, especially the title, Here Comes Your Man. There's a, mm-hmm. They have the oh, same... Yeah. Uh, waiting time, for my waiting for my man. Yeah, it's a different subject. Yes, but but the the, the melody is similar to some of their catchier stuff too. Love it. And that their riff is so perfect, and you think, oh, that had to be lifted from somewhere else. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. too perfect, but. It doesn't bring to yeah. mind any particular songs. I mean, it never it has. That's kind of a Buddy Holly sound to it. Mm-hmm. Really. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely that in surf music in general, like uh-huh. surf Dick Dale kind of stuff. But it's, it's so, it seems so simple that surely they yeah, it's like right? how did they yeah. come up with that? Yeah, this song sounds like the genesis of a whole genre of dumber bands <laughs> that are just like this song's amazing. I'm gonna do a whole thing on it. No, I think Weezer it it. is basically a result of loving the Pixies too much. Which is weird because I not loving them too much, but copying them too don't much. Don't like Weezer. Oh, I hate them. Yeah, and Whoa. no, I, I despise Weezer. Me too. There's like one song I like the Buddy Holly song. It's clever, you know. And I kind of liked I'm, those I'm, covers they did of yeah. like Toto and stuff. What I have to play this one Weezer song. It's just such a ripoff of the Pixies. It's amazing. <laughs> About the sweater song. Oh yeah, we know that song. Oh, you're just talking about the chorus? With the whole sound of the, the track you're sure. putting, it's just like... I actually like this song a lot more. Listen than, to I loved you... this song when it came out. Just wait, wait till we start singing. It's just like, just like, you expect your Kim Deal speaking along in the background here. 
Life's a red. So much talking. That's all the song is, is talking and then like... Here. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, where is my mind? Yeah. And... Yeah, it's just... Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Let's be friends as I walk away. So then we go back to the Bible with dead. Oh, yes. It's like, I had no idea what that meant, but I was looking at, it's like Bathsheba and King David and, and all this like impregnating and. Aping, raping, taping catharsis. I am, I am so not familiar with biblical stuff that I missed. I would have missed most of that, you know, but, but I recognize the names. Like Mm -hmm. those are like biblical names stand out. They jump out at you. Hey Bathsheba, like, uh, like from my understanding was just famously hot. Like King right. David saw her right. bathing right. on the roof and was like, what's up? And then did some bad <laughs> things to get her. <laughs> like sent her husband into the front line yeah. of a battle to get oh, him killed. Is that the story? I, know I think so, story. yeah. yeah. Mm. Apologies to anyone who knows the real story. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> something like that, probably. Bashing your head against the wall. Well, she gets impregnated by him, and I know that much. And, and, and the song makes reference to that, like, oh, look, your belly's growing or something. Mm. But I, it's, it's got a really cool guitar groove to it, too. It's mm-hmm. One of the coolest biblical songs <laughs> this is the song that I was listening to when I first thought of driving down the road like oh blast. Mm, yeah cool. and my other note was there end with a good buzz on the- <laughs> <laughs> wait driving with a buzz oh riding in the car I was gonna oh, say riding yeah, in the car. Yeah. Yeah. you shouldn't be doing we that we do not advocate drinking and driving it's very yeah. dangerous and terrible <laughs> <laughs> that brought to you by the National Association for, for not drinking and driving not drinking <laughs> let's, let's play a little bit of that dead And uh, here's some drums in there. So far, it just sounds kind of noisy, but you know, it's like I love that. Yeah. That is such a low bass. This is where it gets super cool. We're doing it again, you guys. Uh, We're just all really into it. (laughs) They have so many cool parts. I keep wanting to wait till the next part comes, and then that part after that. Well, and then the song's done. Yeah, and then the song's over. Well, yeah. Yeah. It hurts to turn it off. And then it gets all surfy again. Like Mm -hmm. Joey Santiago just loves, he's got so much of that surf guitar thing that flows through a lot of their songs, and it just shows up. Sometimes more subtle than others, but it's uh, it adds such a fun touch to what sometimes otherwise is just a noisy 
mm-hmm. noisier song, you know. But <laughs> well, it keeps it all together, right? Because you've got like a lot of noise and distortion and maniacal kind of vocal screaming, and then you have like ethereal, monotone, almost vocal, and then you have like super sharp, really good drumming, like yeah. rad guitar riffs. It's such a good musicality, even though mm. there's a lot of what you might hear is screechiness at first. They're all really good musicians, and mm-hmm. it's, it's where are these guys now? Um, they broke up. They got back together, and now they're. They've had a few. They've actually released several albums in the two thousands without Kim Deal. I think she might have been around for one of those. She, she gave it a try again, but he, she and Frank Black, Black Francis. Actually, his name is Charles. <laughs> like, but, um, <laughs> they they do not get along very well. They just they just clash. Uh, so they they have trouble working together anymore. But so yeah, they they've been doing stuff, and they have a. Who did they bring in? They brought in. Um, was it Karen O of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs? Did they? I think they brought her in as a vocalist for a while. Oh, that that's kind of a cool idea. I mean, I don't want anything without Kim Deal in it, but... Yeah, I mean, without Kim Deal, I am just really not interested in what they do, to be honest. Mm. I, we have a couple of their albums the in South. the collection, and it's, they're okay, Yeah, but they just don't they don't hold up. She was such a integral part of that chemistry, mm-hmm. you know, bass and singing. And, mm-hmm. and just energy, yeah. just her, her who gives a fuck energy. Keeps everybody grounded. Yeah, Monkey Gone to Heaven, as we said, that's a, that was a big hit. There, there's a, a part of that in there that remind me of the new pornographers. And Monkey Gone to Heaven? Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the singing, the, the harmonies. Are, oh. I yeah. can't remember exactly what it was now, but uh, I had a flashback. It's, it's definitely more, it's like a more of a, a song song. You mm-hmm. know, there's, there's mm-hmm. more structure to it than a lot of their other stuff, or more traditional structure anyway. But it's such a funny song. It's... I think it's about like the earth dying basically mm-hmm. like you know yeah. and, and ocean pollution yeah. and yep. and the monkey gun having just people dying and I think we are the monkeys I think there's some biblical stuff in there maybe you know it's, it's crazy it's like any song that has lyrics like there was a guy an underwater guy who controlled the sea <laughs> got killed by 10 million pounds of sludge from New York and New Jersey it's, <laughs> but still Mm-hmm. People love this song. It's a yeah, know, it's a great it's, song. It's, it's, so, it's so crazy. Let's play a little. Her bass in this and, and, and all this stuff it, it harks back to me for me to like Tina Weymouth and to- Talking Heads, mm-hmm. like yeah, totally. such a defining element of their music mm-hmm. and mixed in and so well like, so you don't, it's not hidden in the background you know? that's it right there in the court oh yeah actually you're right I, I had never never occurred to me but I definitely can hear that so. yeah I get it too it definitely sounds like new pornographers yeah ooh Nico Casey and Kim Deal parts that would be kind of interesting <laughs> it would be completely different but mm-hmm. interesting I think if people know the Pixies at all, it's probably that song. Although, uh, we haven't talked about it, but in Fight Club, they have that mm. great scene where uh, Where Is My Mind? Mm-hmm. And that's such a well-used song in there. And I think mm-hmm. that may be the part that more people are familiar with the Pixies than any, uh, anything else. Like yeah. the, the average That's definitely what public. Mine, mine was before was listening it? to this. Your introduction yeah. to mm-hmm. them, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mr. Greaves. Anybody? Have? I think that I really, was a pretty fun song. I love the kind of reggae opening vibe to it. Mm. And then it turns into like upbeat pop punk. Mm-hmm. 
starts kicking. Mm-hmm. Do you have another pinion? What? Do you have? No, that's from the a line from the song. Do oh, you have it? another oh, opinion? Like, yeah. Do you have? I'm asking if you have. Opinion. I, I love this song. I, it's a great song, but somehow there's it's maybe more the, the least interesting overall as far as dynamics and stuff go, and it's it's goofy and fun, but you know. I feel like the bass line sounds like a cartoon mouse getting chased. <laughs> <laughs> let's get that like cartoon well, now I have to, to hear it. I have to hear it now <laughs> with, that, with that in mind let's, let's try a little I super dig that yeah there's a bit of a reggae touch oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that mm-hmm. echoey thing is there hope everything is alright <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Running mouse yeah. getting chased. Sure. sure. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, I get where yeah. you're coming from. I yeah. still love listening to it, yeah. but yeah. No, it's fun. It's definitely fun. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and then, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go. I was going to talk about the next song. Yes, please do. Please do. Because I love how it songs with shake your butt, not too hard. Shake your butt. <laughs> Is that what they say? I, yeah, not I too hard. I quite hear the other part. I was, I'm I was pretty sh- sure that's what he's saying. Shake your butt, not too hard. <laughs> let, let, let's hear the beginning of this. Oh, no, that's not that. That's that's uh, La La Love You. I just skipped it. You just forgot to write notes? notes? Oh, yeah, no, sorry. sorry. I'm sure you have an opinion Shit. anyway. Well, Eric, you said that was one of your stood yeah, out for it's you. It's just like weird, super weird. Yeah, yeah. it was inter- entertaining in its weirdness. I thought. Well, he uses uh, he likes to use Spanish in his songs a lot, and I I wondered what that was because I've always like he did that a lot in Turf for Rosa too. There's a lot of songs. There's one song that's almost completely in Spanish, but he it turns out he spent half a year in Puerto Rico uh, on an exchange program during college, and so he he. That's what he's bringing to the songs. Is usually references that he picked mm-hmm, up there, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why his pronunciation is pretty good too. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently, this one's about an actual roommate he had who threatened violence to him, and he was very scared of him <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, during this time. So it's an autobiographical song. But. Barking like a dog in there. That guitar is just kind of all over the place. Also. Yeah. Sounds like it'd be really fun to perform this song. Mm-hmm. And this one's only like a minute and a half or something. It's super short. That bass line is super fast, too. She's like... Ha, ha, ha. 
Uh, I love him. He just cracks me up. Yeah, the barking doesn't really like phase me as much. No, because I'm used to listening to Tom Waits make such weird, oh, yeah, yeah. weird things with his that's mouth that I'm just like, that's just what you Actually, do. Th- th- there is definitely a, a kind of a, a, a similarity of sorts there between them and their their willingness to just odd sounds go wherever they need to go mm-hmm. vocally. You know, mm. to- ooh, it'd be really fun to listen to this and back to back with Bone Machine, mm. which came out in '94, doing all sorts of growls and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I feel like that they would, they would work together in the same way that Black Francis and Kim Deal's mm. voice works together, where they're they're like a con, a study of contrast that reinforce the good things about each other. Yeah. And and then you go to La La Love You, which, again, it sort of seems like it's a cover or something. I, at first, I think I, I used to think it was a cover of an old because there is actually a song called La La Love You or something mm-hmm. very close yeah, yeah, to that, yeah, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. Philly soul kind of thing mm-hmm. in the seventies. But this is not not based on that, as far as I'm aware. And, and it's sung by David Lovering, the, the drummer. Hmm. So it's uh, it's the only song that uh, not sung by the other two. I think in their entire catalog, actually. And according to the lore, they had to convince him real hard to sing it. And then once he got in front of the mic, he didn't want to leave. <laughs> they could not get him off. The yeah. Mic. This is when it starts start shake your butt. Tonight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, let's, 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 uh, not too hard. Yeah, I think it's what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that guitar sound. Yeah, it's so great. You're right, it's, it is like surf guitar, but I they've remixed it into such a new sounding thing with the yeah. way everything else goes that I, I keep yeah. forgetting that it's surf guitar. Yeah. This song is so ridiculous. It's such a joke. It is. It's so funny, though. Yeah, sounds so sarcastic. You don't believe it for a second. Yeah, no. And then he sounds like, um, what, the Smiths? A little bit, yes. He sounds like Morrissey a little bit. Totally sounds like him. Listen to the end of this first. There's this third base home run uh-huh. <laughs> first yeah. Base it's about sex yes <laughs> it's like the only part that un- like hints that it's anything other than oh la 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 that whistle it's, it's uh-huh. just the whole thing it's just such a it feels like it would have been could have been used well in like a Quentin Tarantino movie or something mm-hmm. you know a little bit a little bit well there's definitely in addition to the surf surf sound mm-hmm. uh there's also a lot of that western ennio Morricone mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of yeah, elements that. in there yeah there's a super westerny one well yeah with silver here. silver yeah yeah she kim deal wrote that song right she she co-wrote it yeah she I, co-wrote I, it. I think i noticed that, that oh she was, doesn't the drummer's playing bass on that one that's what it is oh. she's playing the slide guitar oh yeah. oh i didn't, I didn't see mm-hmm. that that's cool mm-hmm. number 13 baby which mm. is a little weird because while I know that song to listen to it, I somehow never knew that it was called Number 13 Baby. As I, I saw that, hmm. I was like, what, what song is that? Because at some point in my life, I, I used to, I mean, 
when I was young, I used to look at I would look at the album covers, you know, especially when it's vinyl. Sure, you know, and like look at it while you're yeah, listening, study it, yeah. you know. And mm-hmm. I know every song title, and I know where it showed up on the album cover, you know. But then when CDs came along, I did less of that, and eventually I just only referred to it later, you know. And so there are song titles I've just completely missed, and that one is not at all relevant to what's contained in the song. Mm-hmm. So it, it just mm. completely escaped me somehow. It just seemed really weird, but. There was the the guitar lead out on the uh, on the song. That yes, like. the end of the song. Yeah. I love that, and uh, also the part where he says, "I'm in a state," and the acoustic guitar is playing, mm. and it, it happens twice in the song. Um, I just love that, and this is his weird idea of a love song. I think. songs are like the weather in Seattle, you know, you don't like it, wait five minutes, Just it's going to yeah, change. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I find it a little hard to talk about these songs and this music because it's like, seems kind of antithetical to the music itself yeah. to like overanalyze it, even though like scholarship abounds on it and people are super into it. And like, there's a series of books, I don't know if you guys know about called 33 and a Third. Yeah, yeah of course you do. Um, no, no, I didn't mean it that no, way. No, I should have, yeah. but there's a volume on this record. Which yeah. now I really want to read. Yeah, actually, that'd be so really, it's like a book series. Each book is on one record, hmm. and it's a different seri- different author. It's not a it's like one oh, person or a different right? collection yeah. of authors. Each, yeah. Well, yeah, I think yeah, each book is written by one person. Oh, maybe, maybe the only one I too, own but, is the Twin Peaks one. It's oh. written by a bunch of different people. Oh, is it? Oh, well, I, I I have one of them. I forget which one it is, but I think it's one person, and I and I've, I I think they just have one person for the most part, mm. specializing in that particular album. Just. And it's not always presented the same way either. They kind of uh, do their own take on it. There's a fair there's number a of them. Of, yeah. yeah. A, um, pet, there's one series. of Pet Sounds too, actually. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's just that would have been valuable to have read prior to recording these. Or not. I mean, you know, you don't want to there are get like too much of other people's ideas in your head them, too. Apparently. How many? 142. Wow. I didn't realize it was that many. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Well, The Kinks is on here. You'd be happy to know. That stupid Village Green record that I hate. You should read that. <laughs> Maybe Guess you'd what? appreciate it. I don't want to. <laughs> and I shan't. Oh, I could read the one on Dangerous by Michael Jackson. I love that record. <sighs> I know I'm like the only person. Well, I, I know what you're saying though, because um I I mean his lyrics kind of do invite some analysis, you have to admit. Yeah, there's stuff going on. But at the same time, it's such a visceral kind of music. You know, you, you feel it as much as you I don't know. I just it's a more my body reacts to it in a certain way, and mm-hmm. like you know, my brain does things, and <laughs> I don't know. I I'm like I'm not always like just listening that closely, but even when I'm not, it's like it affects me somehow. So yeah, to talk about it can be a little strange. Mm-hmm. But like you also alluded to it, there, it doesn't invite 
some analysis because he talks about some really important stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting things. Very scholarly yeah. things, really, when it comes yeah. down to it, but in a weird way. You well, know, they but did record in Boston and in Cambridge, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, very... That's true. Yeah, they were actually, you know, a local band when I first heard them. They, mm. they hadn't really... I don't think I don't, I'm not sure when I realized that they were becoming kind of well known nationally. I guess it must have been this album because I, I knew they were doing really well with this. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, so then uh, we have "There Goes My Gun," mm-hmm. which is a fun little mm-hmm. thing. Which Any song that starts with "You Who," <laughs> it's going to go in a good place. <laughs> and it has almost no lyrics. It's got like three lines are just mm-hmm. repeated basically, and you can attach any meaning you want to it. Really, like I feel like somebody's running around with a gun. And he says, friend or foe, mm-hmm. friend or foe. And mm. like, I don't know. Well, he says, is on? he saying friend or foe or is he saying yeah, friend is foe? I believe it's friend or foe. Mm. Like asking, I know it like, does yell, sound like shouting that. out like, you know, who's out there? You know, and aiming a gun in that direction. You know, that's the picture I get. Mm-hmm. But, I like the uh, bass on this one. that sounds like um, Twin Peaks, kind of like a David mm. Lynch vibe to it, which it, I super dig. Yeah. Well, Kim shows up in... Uh, both that way and her vocals are really cool in this mm. too, I think. Oh, let's play a little bit of it. Let's play it. What the heck? <laughs> nice feedback. Yeah. Oh, it's not the bass that's the David Lynch sound, it's the guitar. Desert car driving yeah. guitar. Yeah. The next song, this may very well be my favorite Pixie song. I, I, I think I've come to that realization more as time has gone on, and uh, I just I, I think it's like the the perfect distillation of what makes them great, and mm. um, I, I just love it. I, I I don't even know if I can explain why I love it so much, but it's just. Uh, <laughs> I've been trying to meet you. And like mm-hmm. this whole like <laughs> semi-hip, like pseudo-hip kind of thing you're doing. <laughs> and, the, wild and, and the music guy. is so sparse but cool. There's like and, a funk kind of yeah, slinkiness yeah. to it. Right. I call it slunk guitar. I've just said it instead of funk nice. slunk. Yeah. Nice. That's good. Did you come yeah. up with that? Yeah. Nice. Uh, I will be sure to attribute to that to you if I ever use the Thanks. <laughs> Until he re-edits this. I came up yes. with this new word. <laughs> I like to call this slunk. Was that in before I mentioned it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm so glad you like it this much because I I like this is exactly the kind of song that I love 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 yeah. love. Yeah. And then whenever like Rob and I are in the car listening to record, I'll be like, oh, my favorite song, and I'll like put it, and he's always like bored by them. It's just a difference yeah, of opinion yeah. we have about music styles. I, well, it's not a song I would expect other people to love as much. Somehow, I. I like I said, I just I'm not sure what it is about. The, I, no, love, I love I, it. I have a feeling playing it for people would maybe get that reaction. No, you know, I like, love it. Yeah, and it's, it's I love it. I love it. What are the characteristics it. about it that you like so much? Um, there's something about the guitar sound. Can you start it? There's such a great vibe to it. I just yeah. Hey. <laughs> Been trying to meet you. <laughs> oh yeah, the guitar that, when it comes. Yeah, oh, this guitar. I love that style so of guitar. 
it's usually pretty sparse, right? So with that over it, reminds me of like, in a different way, it reminds me of uh, Yellow Lead Better and a song called Cold Fame by Band yeah. of Skulls. Wow. Uh, yeah. This, this sounds like the Stones too. A little bit. A little bit like. But never gets honky tonk, thank God. Perfect. And just cracks in the best spot. This part where it builds into this, like, gradual, and she comes in. Mm-hmm. We're chained. And it feels, like, emotionally impactful, too. So, like, like we're chained for better or worse. We're mm-hmm. just, we are together. It's like... I love that guitar, too, man. Yeah. I think this is the song that, like, if I was listening to this record and not concentrating on it, I would always get stuck by this one where I'd be like, wait, what? What is going yeah, on? Yeah. I love it so yeah, much. I know. I know. And here, the lyrics here, I think it's the, where it comes. This is such. Yeah, me too. The swap. I love this. Do it again. <laughs> so we just want to listen to it. Okay. Two um, of Talking Heads. There, I, I that last, that there. last verse. Yeah, like it feels a little like yeah. David Byrne and his like. Whoa, yeah, kind of yeah. like. That's, that's a good point. That, I, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Uh, said the man to the lady. Uh, to the lady to the mm-hmm. man she adored, and the whores like a choir <laughs> go uh all night. Yep. <laughs> I, it just, it's so romantic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that might have become my favorite song on the album all of a sudden. It was. I wanted to say it was my favorite, and then I felt like it was a lame song somehow in one of my analysis moments, you know, that I was yeah. like, oh, I just like Maybe it because it's got that guitar, it yeah. that like kind of, I don't know how to describe it, that but guitar I, sound that I love so much. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just the perfect distillation of what they do, you know, and it's just like... If, if I had to play one song to make people like see what they were doing, what, what mm. the Pixies do, it would be that. It would be that. I think. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, mm. it, it would. It would certainly not cover all the bases, obviously. But I don't know. I just love it so much. It's so crazy though, too, that how much all three of us are digging the sound of this record when so many songs are so different from each other. Like they're similar, right? They have the elements that clearly it's part of the same record, part of the same band. Mm-hmm. But that song, Here Comes Your Man, I Bleed, like Debaser, yeah. like they all have such a different 
vibe to them, like an overarching kind of theme musically. It's cool. I, I think Black Francis, his vocals are really maybe what ties it mm. together. So the next one's Silver, and that's yeah. the one we were talking about being very Western. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's certainly, I mean, it's, it's probably stands out from, on the album as being the most different than anything else, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. uh, musically. Um, but it's a great, it's a great break. Yeah. Like before you get into Gouge Away and mm-hmm. it's a very dramatic kind of Western film. Oh feel. yeah. Also it, um, I don't know if, uh, there's a, there's a skit on Portlandia about wow music, which is about all the music that's written for all the shows like True Blood and, oh. um, um, True Detectives and like, it's all like swampy, sexy, like wow kind of music. And <laughs> yeah. this is exactly like this song. <laughs> that's, uh, it's a really funny skit. Wow. Funny thing is the high part is him. Kim Deal is doing the low voice. What? Yeah. Did you know there's a, a song by uh, the Dandy Warhols called As Cool As Can Deal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not the only ones who think she's super uh, cool. We are most definitely no. not the only ones. And part of her coolness is for sure in that if you met her and tried to be like, you're so cool, she would just be like, what? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so that... that that's got such a uh, atmosphere. Uh, I like the way that guitar just kind of fills yeah. the space. Yeah. Mm. I think it's the only song that kind of goes along at the same. It doesn't really change the way mm-hmm. the other ones do. Yeah, it's I a little it, droney in its rhythm, yeah. in a good way. Yeah, in a good way, definitely. Yeah, it's, or dirgy maybe is better. It's like a western dirge. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't get boring it, it, ever. It just, but it definitely maintains that pace throughout. The instrumentation is super cool. And then we get to Gouge Away, which is just an amazing song. Ooh, I what love. A, what a subject matter for a song. <laughs> Jesus. Did you take it as biblical again? It's like, totally it's yeah, about Samson yeah. and Delilah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm not as familiar with that story, but I definitely picked up on what appeared to be lots of biblical references. And um, it, <laughs> I also thought if you don't look at it biblically it's sort of like a bit like the damage people can do to each other within a relationship mm-hmm. sort of sure, like sure. gouging away yeah yeah despite um but his eyes were gouged out yeah right no i i, I, I did yeah oh, okay. I, I, I did catch that after i looked up in some stuff about it mm-hmm. uh, so i love the bass line in this uh and then when it raves up and the guitar just goes you know mm-hmm. and uh, let's play it unless you, sure? you no, I'd like to say it. something else Mm-hmm. Oh, the guitar gets so cool on this. That's rad. <laughs> I don't say rad very much, do I? No, I'm just laughing at us, like, just jamming out to it. Yeah. Just keep forgetting we're making a podcast about it. 
right here. It's like even understated for Kim Deal. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I think I think part of it too. What's happening with their music and why it's so cool is there's like a total cinematic aspect to it. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. it's goofy, but it's thematic, big themes, and it like it, the the sounds that they make in the songs are like, feels like things are happening. Yeah. Right. Cause it's so upbeat and then it changes. Like it's like each song is a soundtrack of something. And, and I feel like there's like these wide open expanses of scenery. I mean like everything's happening in this very big, there's something about the openness despite the, the grungier aspects of it. You know, there's like this real openness to the sound and it just, it, it lends itself to what you're saying about mm-hmm. the like, kind of theatricality and, uh, it all feels like a big play. Yeah. <laughs> some weird or like a surrealist painting. Surrealist painting. Yeah. like, oh, there's a melty clock over there. Okay. Yeah. It's got great cinematography for music. I think mm-hmm. it's got, <laughs> there you it's go. Feel. I can't wait to listen to it again. Yes. I'm looking forward to it myself with my new headphones. Nice. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. 